Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello, ahoy and welcome to Always There, the Howard's Way podcast. I'm Julia Rayside. Thank you for joining me as I navigate through every single episode of the 1980s seafaring soap opera set in the fictional English coastal town of Tarrant. It would be a lonely voyage without you. Joining me to discuss series two, episode two, is the classicist, author, broadcaster and amateur baker, Natalie Hayes. Hello. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Thank you very much. Now, Natalie, you're, you fall into that curious subset of people who had never seen Howard's Way before. Howard's Way Virgin. Okay. Until this weekend. Excellent. Until this actual weekend. Really? Yes. And my mum was down on maybe Friday. Yeah. And I asked her if she had ever watched it. I was trying to work out why I'd never seen it. Yeah. Um, because I like 80s telly, you know I do. But yes, generally, I, do. I like it to have a murder in it. I know. Um, and she likes the thing with the murder in. So yeah, no, her, her answer was insufficient murdering. Well, in series one, they did kill one dog, if that helps. <laughs> Canonicide, is that? That's not <laughs> yeah. nice, is it? That's but, not nice. But we knew, we know who did it. It was Jack. He was drunk. He was uh, driving. So the mystery was yeah. very brief. I'm afraid there's okay. almost no mystery at all. So um, in 1986, what were you watching because I know like you said you are a big fan of detective yeah shows. I would have been watching Joan Hickson as Marple I think that's ah, around then isn't it 86 lovely. so yeah. yeah no I would have been watching those over and over again yeah I learned to play the oboe because I like the theme right because the theme is so amazing much. and it's oboe and flute Beautiful. isn't it yeah, yeah. Mm. and all the girls at school played flute so I was like no I'm going to be cool I'm going to yeah be I'm going to have the other one I'm going to have the one where you can get a splinter in the lip yes yes and I did because what's the worst that could happen oh ow <laughs> <laughs> that's like hell so yeah no I would have been watching that um what else by affair that's around Oh, no, no, I missed that oh, one. Oh, I loved that so much. He I was my dream man. Really? Yes. Yeah. Who played Beidebeck? Is that I'm assuming there was a guy called Beidebeck in it? No, there isn't anyone called Beidebeck <laughs> in it. Who <laughs> played Mr. Beidebeck, Natalie? <laughs> Mr. Bix Beidebeck of jazz. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now I need to see the show. Do you remember the actor's name who you liked? Um, yes, no, man? of course. Um, no, not now. <laughs> too tired. When it just when it occurs to you, just shout it out. <laughs> Okay, so presumably you were confused. I mean, most people are when they start this show sort of in the middle of a series. Um, but yeah, we're in series two now and we, we join the Howard family in hospital where a rather a rather brusque nurse is waking up Lynn who, just to fill in some uh, pre-story for you, she fell. She's she had some sort of boat fell. accident. It was, it was actually sort of, it wasn't, it was next to a boat rather than on one. Right. Um, it, was, it was precipitated by what she saw on a boat. So uh, she was go- having a romance with this guy called Charles Freer, more of whom later. And he was basically shagging someone and didn't tell oh, her. Oh, dear. And she walked in on them. He's and a then, wrong He's such a wrong one. And then she fled, tripped, banged her head and fell into the water. And that's how series right. one ended. So she was underwater for like the entirety of the break. Ten minutes. It's about as long as you, you can do. Exactly. The, the nurse says Apparently, so. Yes. Yeah. And that she was full of water. But luckily it was salt water. Right. Yeah. So Is that lucky? What's the science otherwise, there? I don't know. Otherwise, do, there you, must do be. you osmotically fail? <laughs> <laughs> no, and other be. sentences <laughs> I didn't anticipate <laughs> saying today. Oh, we've only just started. I'm so pleased. I knew you'd be great. Um, no, but there must be some. There must. They wouldn't have. They wouldn't have said that unless there must be a fact about seawater that it's better to like be uh, unconscious in the sea than it is a river. 
or a lake. I mean, I think it must be that. I'm trying so hard to avoid the obvious joke which will make people write in and complain. I literally can't. (laughs) I just can't. I'm thinking Leia Betts. I can't help it. I don't know what you want me to say. (laughs) You see? That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, did she not have to drink like 19 pints of water? And then that is sort of what you sort of... Your lungs just... And all your internal organs just give out because you're too hydrated. And presumably that's less of a risk with seawater. I am obviously not a medical doctor. Yes, And also I'd like to apologise to everybody for everything that's just happened <laughs> that's forever a- and in perpetuity you're welcome I think that Sorry covers again. the rest of the podcast yeah, let's just crack on so no, because it's the 80s not only is she in receipt of a head injury and she's very groggy she's got amnesia now I was delighted by that because it is of course yeah. a magnificent trope of detective stories yeah. is the person has been hit on the head and oh. can now remember nothing oh. uh, and then obviously you have to get them to remember it so they can solve the crime yeah. the murderer doesn't know whether they can remember it or not so they're still in Imperiled. Let's have a some sort of detective parked outside the hospital door. Wait a minute, they've been distracted by offer of some sort of bun. No, they've left it, and so on and so on. So I was confidently expecting that to go down that route. And then so I raised it just false hopes in you. I mean, a bit. They yes. did. Sorry about it's that. It's all right. And you may have detected a slight subtext um, that Jan and Tom, the mother and they father, they don't get on or, as well as they might. Julia. They certainly don't. No. They used to, and now not so mm. much. But the nurse, clearly seeing that they could use a little bit of a push to start, you know, being nice to each other again has told them for no reason at all that they probably should they should visit together together. yeah Yeah. now I have to admit there I was thinking I'm not sure that's an authoritative medical opinion either (laughs) and you're (laughs) pretending to be a nurse madam and it would probably make her feel better if you held hands yeah (laughs) come on she might remember better if you turn up together because Mm -mm. surely amnesia means that you can only remember your parents yeah. As a duel. Yeah. Um, no, it's just it's okay. clearly bunkum. But, you know, the kind yeah. of bunkum I enjoy in her. You've barely seen my parents together since I was 11. <laughs> so I would have found it incredibly disconcerting when that happened. I'm just putting that on the record now. If my traumatic amnesia follows an unexpected boating accident after okay. finding out that someone's a wrong'un, um, then just it's fine if my parents come separately. I'm someone, fine with that. Someone write that down. It's yeah. important. Okay. It's my living will, Julia. <laughs> well, it's going on record now, literally. Yes, it so is. We'll bury this in some kind of time capsule. Then we go to the Urquhart's. Now, Polly Urquhart is the woman with the ginger hair. Yep. Who's terribly posh and terribly thin. Yes. And she is um, having a go at her husband about the visit of a man called Orin. Yes, American. American. And I'm presuming the father of the child. You see, you're... Yeah. yeah I, I don't because think Because everyone keeps telling everyone who out. they are. It does really make things easier. <laughs> yeah, it does, doesn't it? It, it really helps. Ooh. <laughs> There's a little toot of a horn outside. Yeah, unexpected um, excitement from the streets <laughs> of London. And then, now this must have thrown you, because I don't think it's really explained who he is, but then suddenly we see a man in bushes. Yes. Yeah. And I thought, what is he? Some kind of rogue twitcher. And no is the answer. He is an angry man who's come halfway around the world. Yes. And is now angry. And yes. I'm like, OK. So his name is Dick Shellett. We know that because he's, he talks about himself in the third person quite a lot. Oh, those um, people are always the most Dick attractive, Shalit? aren't they? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, you yes. literally could not sleep with someone who talked about themselves in the third person, could you? As I a, don't think As so. a deal breaker, it's absolutely there. I'm just trying to imagine it now, like someone I really fancy doing it. Yeah, no, it's gone. I don't like them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I could even kiss on the mouth someone who referred to themselves in the third person. It's just so right. You just pull back in horror, wouldn't you? <laughs> I don't I want to say recoil yeah i am though yeah you would you would um someone obviously you wouldn't recall from his charles rear he's like super 80 sexy with his car phone exactly he's got a car phone now yeah. for me that would have just it's like when you find out away. there's email in the time of murder she wrote and you go but yes. how can that be possible no, 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 that there's email and murder she wrote at the same time <laughs> but it's true I know, but Jessica Fletcher didn't use email to like sort of solve crimes much, did she? Was no. It in the, like the later series or something, did she start sending emails? Yeah, she does. Was she she a does send emails. She was. Wow. Yeah. Oh, she's good at everything. So she's Jessica Fletcher. That's <laughs> so the thing amazing. with her. Uh, but yeah, and there's there's a there's a webcam episode of Diagnosis Murder. I was going to uh, say, did the murder Dick Van Dyke on webcam. Yes, of course he ever does. Ever send an email? <laughs> yeah, he so does. Nat- very Natalie tech- has a small problem with it's not really a problem. It's a life enhancing thing. But you love Dick Van Dyke. I love Dick Van Dyke, and I wanted to be my granddad. A blood relative, perhaps. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Mm. all of them. Yeah. No, absolutely. I love him and I wish we were related. And I have loved him for literally years. Aww. I wrote an Edinburgh show in 2006 called 
watching the detectives. I know. See, actually, its technical title is Natalie Haynes watching the detectives, but I can't say that because it makes me feel like I'm oh, talking about and myself then, in the and third then no person. One wants to you and then it brought more recoil from me. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I, and that the whole sort of point of that really was to talk about American detective shows, which are my particular weakness: Columbo and yeah. Murder She Wrote and Diagnosis Murder. And so I have seen every episode of Diagnosis Murder more times oh, than is reasonable. So brilliant. Yeah, there's some quite good special episodes, aren't there, where they get some guest stars in? Oh, there are amazing ones. From, there's a Mash one. Yeah. Uh, there's a Star Trek one. Yeah. <gasps> No, there are. I know. No, I know. Incredible. I didn't I know. know there was a Star Trek one. Wow. In the MASH one, they have both hot lipses. But, oh, really? Yes. That's quite confusing. It is confusing. It's like crossing the streams in Ghostbusters. No, no, that's not. That would be like having all the Lucy Robinsons from Neighbours, like the three ages of Lucy <laughs> Robinson. It's not, it's not done. Yeah, something bad would happen to the universe. Yeah, well, there you go. Anyway, so Charles Freer um, tells Dick Shirt to sling his hook. Um, and, and then, then calls someone to have him thrown off the ground. <laughs> yeah. I always want to do that. <laughs> yeah. I don't have grounds, but I'd like them just and for he, that. Yeah, he later threatens to release the dogs on him as well, yeah. doesn't he? Or someone does, anyway. Yeah. So yes, it's all the usual the usual tropes to get rid of a, a trespasser. Deal with him. Uh, and then we go to the, confusingly to a horse race, a racing training session. Yeah. I think this is because the showrunner, Gerard Glaster, he went on to make a show called Trainer when Howard's Way was uh, retired. He then basically took over the slot with another coach show called Trainer. So I think he was just trying. He was just it building out. up horses. He keeps on putting horses in the in the in the in what essentially is a boat show. And I, you know, it's it interesting because they must be both equally expensive to film because there's yeah. not that much footage on a boat because, as Steven Spielberg famously found out with Jaws, yes. it's incredibly difficult and expensive really to film hard. at sea. Yeah. It's the only. I think it's the case that it's the only Spielberg film that ever went over shooting dates really yes because he was so neat um, and got everything done but the sea is difficult but horses similarly extremely expensive to film absolutely because you know you can't rehearse them well no quite and they clearly go to a real race uh, meeting later on it's always fun when they try and film something at a kind of event where it's just they're trying to blend in and yeah casually people in the background going is that that from Howard's Way. Like, Shh. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> anyway. Hair. So this is where I, I, I've actually made a note here. During the horse racing sequence, there are Marple-esque oboes. Yes. Actually wrote that down. Yeah, so, you know, well, clearly it was the a thing. era. Yeah, exactly. TV at the time was using a lot of that. Um, and there's yeah, a the poor scene. oboists now living on the street. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Hands I mean, upturned. Occasionally they get like a Bell and Sebastian gig, but they're pretty much yeah. unemployed now. Then there's a frightfully posh man who I didn't know who he was actually. And I, obviously I love this show uh, to distraction, but he's a, a very posh man who's talking to Kate about betting odds and jargon. Again, this is I think this is just the showrunner having some fun because I, people who watch Howard's Way have no interest in horse racing and he should know that. But mm. posh people like boats and horses, so well, maybe that's who he was targeting. For me, not interested. Couldn't, couldn't be less interested, actually. So there's not going to be a trainer spin-off to this? Unlikely. Okay. No, I think not. Okay. I don't think I even watched that many episodes. Sorry, Gerard, I just got bored. Now, confusingly, so Howard's Way does this a lot. It's the middle of the day, it's the middle of the day, it's the middle of the day, and then cut to someone at a disco. And there's yes. just no explanation of how time has passed. No. They just don't bother to... It doesn't have unity of time in the way that Aristotle would choose in his poetics. That's Thank what you. I'm saying. Thank you, Natalie. Yes. Natalie's a classicist. Hi, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't take my lunch money. <laughs> not again. <laughs> I've been at a party with Natalie and somebody walked over and introduced themselves to her and I think you maybe had met them once before and said uh, oh I'm a classicist too and then the two of you started talking and basically said no come back <laughs> I, just, I couldn't I couldn't only dogs could hear you I didn't know what you were saying <laughs> anyway sorry <laughs> I am fun at parties I am so, no fun at parties so much fun <laughs> Natalie Haynes is fun at parties um, disco so, simply yes, not the case suddenly it, I, I worked out from the dialogue that so this Leo so he's the son of Jan and Tom, the warring married couple. Leo is at a house party in his own shared house. I think he's sharing a house with some mates. We've never seen this house before. It appears to be nighttime, although I don't know quite how. Is it, it not the house nighttime. of the lady with the baby? It's not her. No, house. I think she's staying with him. She lives okay. in a um, a, a Dickensian slum. A Dickensian slum in Southampton, which is, as you know, very gritty and. Um, oh, is there just last week? Person. Yes, yeah. and I'm sure you saw lots of bedsits of this type. I saw my own play, Julie. <laughs> did <laughs> That's you all really? I did. Do you want to plug that now? No, it's all right. I'll be gone by the time this goes oh, out. Probably. Fine. Okay, whatever. Um, well done, by the way. Thanks very much. <laughs> so there's, there's an unconvincing disco. Discos on TV are very hard to make look. One, fun. Two, have any atmosphere. Three, the music levels are always wrong because you have to talk over the top of the music. The people who are trying to dance the very quiet backing track just don't look like they're quite relaxed enough to dance. You know what they needed was that Columbo episode where um, somebody gets murdered un- under the dance floor, <gasps> under the glass dance floor. That's amazing. So again, what, a very late Columbo. Can you see the murder taking place, you know, beneath their feet? Or I'm not spoiling just... it for you. Oh, I'm okay. not saying it's a vintage Columbo. It isn't, but, but it's still it's quite interesting... a good late one. Yeah, mm. and I think there might be mobile phones in it as well. I think it might be one. Oh, it's no, so late, you're just like, 
Peter Falk at the same time as a fa- and so no. on and so on. Yeah. No, I don't like I don't like these future coming towards the eighties like that. It's very mm. disconcerting. Um, so anyway, yes, they're at a disco. It's weirdly pink lit. I guess it's just a studio somewhere with the curtains pulled. And then Leo <laughs> fetches them both a drink, two warm tumblers of white wine. Yes, like or, a book lodge. Yes, exactly. It's exactly <laughs> like a book lodge, but quite big tumblers though. They're not unlike like, a book lodge. Not Paris goblets. Yes, exactly. And I imagine that the acid reflux would have been horrific. And then obviously the baby's upstairs sleeping. So you know we're judging them as well. Abby's a bad mother. <laughs> but also Leo is supposed to be a teenager, right? Well, And he yeah. looks about 35. He does. I mean, obviously teenagers did in the 80s. I suppose but... that's true, isn't it? Mm. People generally looked old for their age. Yeah, I it's don't think... It's really disconcerting. Yeah. Actually, to be fair, it still occasionally happens now because when I saw... And there's just no way through the sentence except just banging through it. <laughs> when I saw Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift... <laughs> yeah. I was really surprised that the man who's... Because uh, obviously Vin Diesel isn't in that one and... Um, to be honest, all the good people Obviously. aren't in that one. Because um, it's the weird one. And it's fine not to watch it. If you want to watch the rest of the Fast and Furious How many have franchise, there been? eight. Eight, okay. They're re- the, number five honestly has one of the genuinely the best heist sequences in film. And oh, I'm really? absolutely not joking. They okay. have to break sports cars off a moving train. It's absolutely oh, great. Okay, it cool. is great. Also, there's The Rock, there's Vin Diesel. <laughs> anyway, though, in Tokyo Drift, there's the boy who plays, he's been chucked out of America he's had to go to stay with his dad in Tokyo because he's behaving so badly in high school and you're like you are 35 if you're a day and then in the end I googled him because I was so surprised <laughs> and he really wasn't he was about 20 oh. he's just got that thing where you're like wasn't um, Ralph Macchio in uh, Karate Kid he was 35 when he did the last Karate Kid film I but think. he still looks identical now because he was on uh, Dancing yeah. with the Stars yeah he has and a he, child's face <laughs> I mean it's just <laughs> really weird <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah he still looks about 35 yeah. now. Yeah, he does. He's just, maybe he's not a real person. He looks younger than um, that that YouTube guy they have on Strictly this series who's oh, got yeah. that weird Benjamin Button face. <laughs> he does look it's a little like bit a, like he's seen too much. Oh my he? God, he's like a weird tiny child size person <laughs> with a terrifying old man face. <laughs> I don't understand what's happening. It is a bit confusing. It's very confusing. It's just, it's just eyes that have seen things, I think. Yeah, I don't, I don't want but to know what? what I don't seen. need to know. Yeah. No. Anyway, so back to the disappointing disco. Um, they're drinking warm white wine. And Abby says, and this is quite an emotional declaration for her because she doesn't really do feelings, but she says to him, I've never been as close to anyone as I am to you, and then sort of awkwardly gives him a kiss. And then... Which is weird because she is now the mother of a child, so she's definitely once been quite close to somebody. Yeah, yeah, she has. Maybe she just didn't... She looked away (laughs) throughout. Um, (laughs) I can imagine that would be what she'd have done. Having having seen the guy she made the baby with, he looks a bit sort of like a doll. Yes. But we'll come to him. He does. Um, but But then to diffuse the moment of romantic tension, and, um, she says, "Look at Davy," and then we have to watch him body popping for like what seems like that's an hour. mortifying. <laughs> it's really yeah. No, You're the only mortifying. ethnic character in Howard's Way. Perhaps you'd like to do some of the street body popping your your people are so famous. For. Yeah, no, that is exactly what's just happened. Yes, <laughs> it's a bit grim, but he's he's not bad at body popping. But it's just uh, the fact that I have to say body popping. Yeah, I don't feel qualified to judge. Slightly annoying me. At so that point, that. I might pick up my knitting just so you know. <laughs> Did I like you knit? To... Yeah. While you're watching this, excellent. What were you knitting out of interest? Just I'm just knitting a scarf. I, I can only knit scarves. Do you follow patterns? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Do you? I could knit before I could read. Really? Yeah. It's almost <gasps> like my mum was hoping I'd choke on some wool. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. <I know. laughs> kind of weird ass fairy tale did you grow up in? Oh, okay. you know. One where I was raised by bookish wolves. You know. <laughs> bookish wolves. Explains so much, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. Lots. Okay. Uh, so then we go to the boatyard. Um, this is a big important place in Howard's where you may have gathered. Like, all the action essentially centres around the boatyard. And there's um, a close up of, they, should, they really shouldn't do this. Uh, there's a close-up of Tom's pencil on sort of his draftsman's paper. Not a euphemism, ladies and gentlemen, although she did make it sound that way. (laughs) He has lead in his pencil, and they zoom in on the tip... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he's sketching what looks like a child's drawing of a tiny boat. Yeah. <laughs> I really wish they hadn't shown the close-up of what he was drawing. Just, they should have got like a draftsman in to maybe just do that. But I, I mean, that's extra, yeah, that's extra budget, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I'm asking too much from the BBC Yeah, budget. they spent it all that. on the horses. Yeah, the horses and the dresses. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, the man from Relton Marine, who is the big sort of, they're the big conglomerate who's going to probably manufacture Tom's design for the boat called the Barracuda. He's coming to... Someone's already come to test out the boat from Welton Marine, but now another man wants to, so fair enough. So that they can then be late for an appointment to get to the hospital and thus conflict can ensue, I think, is the answer. Yes, it's a a rather false peril can be uh, thrown at Tom. Uh, And then there's the horribly sexist moment where he asks Avril, who's the business partner... Oh, that bit is rank. Yeah, no, that bit is rank. (laughs) Are you coming out sailing too? And she says no, and he says... 
Good, we don't want too, too many, many distractions. distractions. <laughs> <laughs> no, truly, sir, with your gallantry. <laughs> and I think he thinks he's being quite the... Quite, quite the, the gallant. Suave dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. Really, really naughty. Yeah, like men who take your hand and kiss it. You know, when you have to... <laughs> and it still happens occasionally, doesn't it, now? Oh, yeah, I and know. And you, you, you hold that hand in a kind of don't embrace me, we've never met kind yes. of way. Yes. And then it's just like, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> and then it looks rude getting out hand sanitizer, but it's all you can think but of. But you do, don't you? <laughs> yes, because I didn't start this. <laughs> so I'm just finishing it in a way which renders it the case that they won't be mistaken again. <laughs> no touching. No. Okay, and then, okay, so my favourite bits of Howard's Way are always the sailing sequences. But usually they're accompanied by, so there's a famous piece of music and we have to, again, this is a series two thing that I think, series two is not my favourite series. So, the, Which is your favourite series? Well, I mean, series one, just because it's where I fell in love, I suppose. Um, but, you know, it does, it gets better, it gets worse. It's sort of, it, it goes up and down, in and out like the tide, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, they, they finish every episode of series two with this very slow piece of, theme music with kind of with Marty Webb singing vocals over the top of yes. it which kind of just there's takes there's a sound all the, of the 80s as well yeah it is but it kind of just takes all the energy out of the show so however the show finishes and it's usually on some kind of duff duff moment it just kind of is like limps yeah. into the sunset it's just a bit of a whiny way to finish I think so normally sailing sequences are um, underscored with this this theme tune called Barracuda which is like the jazzy upbeat version of the Houseway theme tune and it's great and it's full of energy Again, the sailing sequences in series two, they've, they've got all these, this dreary, it's, it's just very lacking in energy and it sort of upsets me a bit because it takes away some of the pumping, throbbing energy from the sailing scenes. But anyway, so now we get a sailing scene. Tom is taking the boat out with this grumpy man and, oh yeah, this somber oboe. Again, the oboist gets quite a lot of work this episode. Simon yeah, so that's nice. Because the oboist's got to eat. Well, no, exactly. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all for them. They're my people. Tom is basically, I've, I've just started, well, just started sailing. I've been for my first sailing lesson. Did you wear your mittens with anchors on? I didn't because it was, it was really hot. It was oh, in July. Yeah. I was boiling. But there, uh, Natalie made me. She made me buy <laughs> these incredibly expensive mittens with anchors on. They are my favourite thing. They're adorable. But it's not quite cold enough to wear them yet. And I really want to wear them. <laughs> Um, no, but the, obviously the first thing you notice about sailing, even on a flat reservoir as I was, is when you know like when you turn a corner, wherever the technical name for that is, um, you go over it like forty-five degrees. The boat just tilts like a motorbike, and everyone has to pretend to be really cool with that and not go, "Wow, I'm falling!" Ah, stop! And so I really appreciated um, Morris Colburn, who plays Tom. His um, I'm completely fine at forty-five degrees acting. Like he's just pretending it's normal for him. Yeah, you know, he wasn't a sailor before the show started, but I think he did learn obviously as he went along. I suppose you'd have to really. But and then I, they have some boat banter. Oh, who's going to go and put the tea on? Yes. That's how boat people talk to each other. Boat people. Yes, exactly. Everyone's playing it very cool. No energetic sailing music, which I sort of slightly missed in that sequence. And then we go to Master's Holdings, where we see Ken and Jan. uh, They're discussing his money situation. Uh, What did you think of Ken? I think he's a bit seedy. Yeah, I think he's supposed to be very seedy. Yeah, I found him a bit dubious with his, oh, I see, it's for some sort of wildlife reserve when you say it like that it sounds like you're planning to start fracking that <laughs> he basically um, is yeah he's no respecter of nature it doesn't seem so <laughs> there's some again some lovely dialogue it's not it's not brilliant where he uh, he sort of goes oh yes and your daughter's i don't know not well or something isn't she yeah here's some um, sort of weird gift for her i know i know but massive box of chocolates like yeah. for someone who's got amnesia and probably not feeling like eating. can't remember what they are what are chocolates uh, they, are they, they were purple but I don't know if they were milk tray, but they were massive. Is she going to be able to eat them? Will she wear them? Know. We don't know. She's got Are a traumatic head injury. I don't know. I there just was, don't she know was what talking the rules to a are. neurosurgeon. Like, surely if you're going to have surgery, you're. Right. I don't know. I mean, do you give him a chocolate? Is that <laughs> too much of a come on? I just don't know the rules. <laughs> it's just it's just Ken trying to be ingratiating but getting it wrong, which is sort of his thing. Right. So it's entirely in keeping with his character. And Jan replies when he inquires after Lynn's health. She seems all right, apart from this dreadful amnesia. Yes. <laughs> Which I thought was lovely. Hey, everyone. She still has amnesia. You might have forgotten <laughs> from earlier. Need, yeah, thanks. Yeah. Brilliant. And then Ken tells Jan, I think by way of compliment, but it's sort of a backhanded compliment, because uh, he used to be such a ladies' man and always just be chasing skirt. He says that uh, he's had three temps since he's been having a sort of slightly on-off, no-strings romance with her, and he hasn't fancied any of them. Yeah, what a keeper. Woo! Yeah. Sexy. I know. Yeah, he hands over the chocolates. She just looks at them like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Scene. And then we're back to sea again. And this is where the, sort of the pass-agging starts. So at no point does Tom say... Look, old man, I'm really sorry, but my daughter's, you know, been yeah, very seriously in injured. And she's in hospital and I really must go. So this guy is taunting him and saying, are you in a rush? Because he's sort of trying to hurry him up. 
And and instead of saying my daughter's ill, he just goes no, no, fine, fine. Yes. So it for no purpose. Quite ring true. You just say, even if it was an important sort of sea-bound business meeting, you just say. Yeah, I think um, the guy would be understanding, wouldn't he? I, I mean, think even so. if he seems like a bit of a proceduralist kind of guy, but yeah. I think most people, if you go, oh, but by the way, my daughter's had a head injury and she's yeah. in hospital, wouldn't be like, well, show me a bit more of this no. winching. Yes, it doesn't. It doesn't quite ring true. And then Jan goes to obviously meet Tom, and we know he's going to be late, so it's awful. So I mean, she can have a tiff with his secretary. Well, now, why do you think she was so frosty with the secretary? Well, not, not the secretary, by the way, business partner. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Wow, you are well sexist well because all she does is bitch at everybody and you know essentially sit behind a desk in the front bit of the office yeah she doesn't get a lot to do this episode, no she actually. doesn't does she do some business management the rest of the time yeah loads. Oh, oh, okay. oh shit loads yeah, yeah no yeah, I only, only got her on the secretarial day <laughs> she's always talking about business um so uh, literally can't hear that word and it happens all the way through that scene without of course hearing sam the american eagle in the muppet <laughs> christmas carol business every single time oh, i should no. tell you i can't open my you know business account um <laughs> bank statement was like business every time i literally can't hear the word without it being in the voice of sam the american lovely. eagle it's absolutely lovely we're gonna say like that every time it comes up i'm just gonna point i'm gonna point at you and you have to say all right okay cool One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So Jan, even though Jan just really has gone well off her husband and they're planning to divorce, I think she even started divorce proceedings, so it's totally her They idea. certainly seem divorced. But they, they're, they're just, they're not getting on at all. Every time they do come back together again, it takes seconds for them to start rowing. But she always insists whenever she sees Avril on saying, is my husband here? Why do you think that is? Oh, because Avril was having an affair with Tom. Thank you. Yeah, it yeah. certainly looked that way. So that's kind of what yeah. split their marriage up. Um, so Avril tries to kind of play it all sort of, um, you know, beta to her alpha, but it's all it's all very It's minutes away from her pulling the whole time. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't think they ever do get the two of them to fight, which is disappointing because, you know, Dynasty did it, so they might as well have done it. Well, well. they sort of go the other, you know, withdrawal route. Of, uh, in that case, I think I might have to wait in my car. <laughs> yeah, yes. Well, yes, let so that be a lesson to us all. <laughs> no, the fleeing to the car bit's my favourite. We'll see that in a minute. Um, but back on the boat, the Ralton Reen man, the, bi- the business bastard. Sorry, business. I'm going to start again. The... <laughs> business <laughs> bastard yeah. um, is really putting Tom through his paces and then he says let's have the board down and up again which I yeah. think the board I think is that the main sail I'm I not don't sure. know I grew up in Birmingham it's oh, the furthest yeah. place you can get to from the sea <laughs> but I grew up in the Midlands too but I just feel like I should know this by now I, I now feel alright about it sailing <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I've had one lesson. So yes, he's being an absolute tit. Tom again, still not saying my daughter, my daughter. Like really should have said something by now. And then back at the office, the tension boils over, and uh, they Jan and Avril start having a row. At which point Avril says ill-advisedly, 
don't you understand your husband at all? Which is not the thing to say, It's really. not very polite. When you've busted up someone's mouth... Yeah, when you've you... banged somebody else's husband, you could at least be nice about yeah, it. Yeah, just say sorry a yeah. lot. Don't, or shut don't up. Don't brandish it at them. <laughs> no, quite. And then uh, Jan runs back to the car... And then my favourite bit of the whole episode. Eats all the chocolates. Yeah, I would have done. But she doesn't do that. She furiously puts on some classical music on her cassette player in her, yes. in her car tape deck. Which I, I just, I liked. I enjoyed the fury with which she did that. I think it was a beautifully played moment. Then back to the boat. The spinnaker's up. There's, more, there's lots of sailing in this episode, which I like. I'm in favour. But I just think it's not... It's not presented correctly and it was slightly disappointing for that reason. Um, and then back in the office, um, Bill, uh, who works in the boatyard, wants to know basically what's gone on between Avril and Jan. So he tries to he tries to ferret out the truth and she just says, don't say anything. Don't speak. It's <laughs> kind of a bit Diane Weist. <laughs> very Diane Weist. Don't speak. That, I think that is, if I was pushed, I'd have to say, I know I did that thing on Facebook the other day where someone said, what's your 10 favourite films? And I left Bullets Over Broadway out and it is so probably good. my favourite film. Yeah, it's so good. It's all, it hovers around the top 10 always. Yeah, because John Cusack does Woody Allen so much better yes. than Woody Allen does oh, by that does. stage in his career. Because he makes him appealing. Yeah, he makes him charming and yeah. delightful and also handsome. And that's oh, not nothing. So hot. Yeah. <laughs> mm, John Cusack. <laughs> Lovely. Although my friend said you followed him on Twitter and he was a bit disappointing. So does he refer to himself in the third person? That would finish it off. <laughs> John Cusack's doing another film. <laughs> Yeah, no. Wouldn't, wouldn't kiss him on the mouth now. Not no. if he paid me. No, no, it's not. I would. I would. <laughs> I just pretend I didn't know. <laughs> I'd bang my head and cam knees. Maybe he's you. talking about his sister and I miss her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. They so impossible. Really <laughs> There's always a way to justify it. Yeah. And then Charles Freer. Freer. <laughs> like how much trouble we're going to to make it acceptable to cop off with John Cusack. He's still completely He's on the still list. in play. Oh, yeah. In play. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Oh, lovely. <laughs> Anyway, um, yes, so then Charles Freer <laughs> utters my favourite line of the episode. Uh, he's about to have some kind of business meeting with Charles, <laughs> with Gerald, and um, he's discussing the details of his divorce. But just before he does, he tells his assistant, tell Jean-Michel I'll discuss the menus with him when I get back. So obviously, that's just a little a little footnote there to, to, to insinuate he has a French chef. Yes, he does. The very best. The very best, the very as you best. can tell from his name, which he, is so French. It's so French, Jean-Michel. Yeah. And he personally attends the menus himself. I think that's a lovely touch. Yeah. Anyway, um, Charles then uh, has a conversation with Gerald about his ill-advised marriage to Honey Gardner. Which is not a porn name, although, my God. <laughs> not a porn it's name. Like, how is that? Wait, wait, yeah. And if you think about it for more than a second, as we have done it in several episodes of this podcast now, Honey Gardner, that's a bee. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. So he married it's a bee. It's a giant bee. Yeah, yeah, he married a huge bee. She's also, we hear, uh, a top model in New oh, York. Oh, that's some fantastic <laughs> exposition, isn't it? Uh, yes. She owned some land. And uh, then, of course, she was at the time working as a top model in New York. And then a couple of months later, I yeah. uh, married her. Yeah. And she's like, just for the land, you know, hey, he said she was a top model. I think she's got a couple of things he might be interested in. It's Modeling, it's land. Totally baffling. This is a fully-fledged three-dimensional relationship Completely, now. Completely, yeah. Again, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying him ever doing anything as silly as getting married, risking his huge fortune you know bringing in the lawyers it, it's uh, Charles Freer would never do that so someone's written that quite badly I think um, but it was a good MacGuffin to get Lynn to fall into the water and hit her head so you know whatever. Mm-hmm. That, that's who he was in bed with when Lynn discovered him so <gasps> yeah I know terrible in fact I think, I think he actually said something like oh Lynn like playing it cool having been discovered like his girlfriend discovered him having sex with someone else I'd like you to meet my wife Honey Gardner <laughs> Just a disappointing, disappointing yeah. news. Well, you know. So anyway, uh, then the Charles and Gerald continue their talk uh, as they go into the back of his Rolls Royce. Yeah. Where he, sometimes he drives, sometimes he's chauffeured. In this case, he's being chauffeured. Um, Depends who wants to use his car phone, I suppose. Exactly, mm. exactly. Just whether he feels like it. Or not. I think I imagine he just has a very bored chauffeur who just hangs around waiting for him. Yeah. Um, he probably moonlights on the side. I'm guessing. As a, I don't know, a fireman or something. He's got Oboist. Nothing, nothing. <laughs> Maybe that's that. You've solved the mystery. <laughs> he just keeps it in the boot. Yeah. <laughs> if you see like yeah. yeah, a chauffeur with a sort of rather you know pouty embouchure. Yeah. That's the guy. He's yeah, yeah. You can either have driving or obo. You <laughs> can't have both not at the same time it's actually time. very dangerous to do it while driving that yes it is yeah, yeah you shouldn't yeah, do that no, I just I don't. want anyone listening to the podcast to know that that's absolutely right ill advised yeah um so and then uh the, Gerald is basically saying he might need to nip off early because Polly's got the man who mounted their daughter and, and inseminated her coming over and he might need to pop over and be there yeah Gerald's not someone who's got a very close relationship with his daughter and basically tries to wriggle out of anything that's to do with her he just he doesn't like her he doesn't like her at all Polly doesn't like her either but seems strangely interested now she's had a baby 
And Gerald says of Polly, you know Polly, she's to etiquette what Bismarck is to power politics. I just don't really know what that means. Does that mean anything to no, you? No, no, I've got nothing for okay, you. Okay, I just thought I'd check. Yeah, you know, no, I've got either. nothing for you. He seems kind of mild-mannered and henpecked, doesn't he? But those kinds yeah. of men always make me feel a bit queasy because you know they spend their whole time being all like, oh, she's so bossy, she's so terrible. And you think, well, that's because you're just horrible yeah although it might help to explain their relationship a bit more if i add the information that he is a homosexual or at least some of the time and there's there's is a marriage of convenience and they take it in turns to sleep with other men so the uh, same other men or different no other no men. different other men okay. like they have a flat in chelsea and they often pop up there and it's implied and that's that the they're euphemism. having yeah they're having they're having fun times with yeah. other fellas it's a strange marriage um where she does kind of henpeck him but also he sort of lets her because she provides this cover of secrecy for his... I can't think what the word is. His lifestyle. Yeah, all right. In the 80s, it would have been frowned upon, I guess. But again, I watched this when I was 10, 11, and that's probably... I don't know if that just went over my head. I suppose it must have done. Yeah, you must have quite... just thought, oh, they could go up to London, and then they could have lots, lots of fun. Perhaps they go to the Natural History Museum. That's oh, near Chelsea. She's going shopping again in London. Yeah. <laughs> that's three times this week. I wish I could go shopping in London. <laughs> oh, yes. And you know, and I ended up moving to London, so clearly I got the idea from the Howard's Well. It was a very exciting place. Yeah. Um, and with lots of shopping. Anyway, so the joke about Bismarck over my head, but um, Charles laughs quite hard at it mm. I think a little too hard I don't yeah. think he understood it either yeah. but he wanted to seem like he did um, you know it's like going to see a Shakespeare play and then at the office uh, the boatyard the Relton Marine man comes back in he's quite cross and he says that Tom has already fucked off he, he didn't even stop to, to ask him what, what he thought the results of the test were but he's pleased to tell Jack and Avril that the boat has passed the test hooray whatever it was woo but it is weirder to run away than to have said my daughter's in hospital I know that is weird and then Jack tells him and he looks sort of a bit aghast yeah like, oh, oh I shouldn't have been the asshole I know yeah but Tom could easily have told him don't I just sometimes I don't know what's wrong with Tom Howard I just don't no well at the hospital uh, Jan and Tom are are having one of those stereotypical soap scenes. Although I think this is probably, you know, one of the early examples of it, where um, a couple who really ought to be pulling together find themselves, without even trying, falling into their old rows, having the same arguments over and over again. And so they're going at it, arguing over their daughter's prone body as she just lies there looking upset. Yes, and then has to drop a plastic cup to convey that this behaviour is really not acceptable. Yeah, yeah. And that, yeah. That, no, it is not. The only thing that stops them. So, you know, they're, they're being a bit thick-skinned. And then back at the Urquhart's, there's a, there's a mini-scene where Gerald just says again he'll try to be there to welcome Orin. He's got no intention of being there. No, he, he hasn't. just doesn't want Quite to Quite clearly. No yeah. interest at all. He's probably got... He's probably got some assignation lined up or something in Chelsea or elsewhere with one of his London chums mm -hmm. yes exactly and then back at um, now this is our first visit to the yacht club I always know it's the yacht club because there's not very nice pink chairs in the yacht club that are always quite sort of an assault on the eyes that's disappointing I mean the 80s was it's a time of um, what's the word pastels yeah oh, and it was too many pastels it wasn't it wasn't a good design decade. yeah Everyone knows yeah, that. Yeah, pastels are still terrible now, I think. I don't think they suit anyone. No, no, that, I really... know. No, I can't think of anyone they suit. They don't suit anyone. They John just Cusack? Don't. No, I'd rather he wasn't in them. That's no, the let's thing. not. Yeah. Let's not go there. There's a lot of pastels. Yeah, can you not go goth, John Cusack? We'd prefer it. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Excellent. The Yacht Club is a very pastel environment. It's quite hard to watch scenes of the Yacht Club. Um, but Jack is meeting Kate. So Jack is the guy who owns the boatyard. Bit of a dipsomaniac. He is father to Avril, the woman you thought was a secretary. Oh, is he? Mm, yes. Mm. Uh, anyway, he and Kate, that's Dulcie Gray's character, they're just sort of like buddies and she's trying to keep him on the straight and narrow because he keeps on drinking too much. She tries to stop him from drinking. Oh, yeah, and he has tomato juice. He does. The absolute she... worst drink in the world. Disgusting. Why would anyone do that? I do drink it with vodka, um, you know, as a morning after thing, very <laughs> occasionally. <laughs> but, you know, I have to hold my nose and just gulp it down. Yeah, no, I won't have an opaque drink, as you know. So. No, no, you don't. You, you like don't to drink see what's going drinks. on there, do yeah. you? Is that? Can you trace that back to any particular moment in your life? <laughs> to a time when somebody gave me a cup of coffee and there was a mouse in it. Yeah. No, no, literally not. Mm. I just won't have them. Once I poured a drink um, for my husband. In uh, I was I was desperate to have. It was a passing fad, but like uh, to drink wine out of kind of pottery sort of goblets. And I poured him. So I got them out of the cupboard. Poured him some wine. Said, "Go on, like let's have them in these like these strange goblets." And he took a, he took a drink and he was like. Yeah, no, they're okay, cool, they're quite nice. And he drank most of the drink and he got to the bottom and there was the biggest spider I've ever seen sitting <laughs> in the bottom of the cup. And he you made see? me he'd made me take them to the charity shop. Well he was right. Yeah. Sorry I, to take his side in this, but he was right. No, no, he was. In retrospect, he was right. I mean, I did I did not foresee a spider crawling into his cup while I was getting it out of the cupboard. I'm sorry. Sorry to my husband for traumatising him. It's too late now. 
know. <laughs> yeah, so at the Yacht Club, Jack and Kate are having a little chat. She says, uh, thank heavens Lynn's out of danger and knocks back a brandy. She always drinks in front of Jack, which I think is very insensitive of her. And then she go- bangs on oh, the racehorse plot line I could frankly do without. Oh, she it bangs just comes out of nowhere, doesn't it? I know. And then it's just basically so they've got an ending. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. So she's brought into this horse called Aztec Boy. She's basically a gambling addict. I think that's going to be a plot line in the I think future it is episode. Too. They're yeah. kind of foreshadowing here a bit, aren't they? And she says, in case you weren't sure, if if this horse doesn't win, I'm in trouble. So I think financially she's going to go under um, if yeah. anything goes wrong with the horse. But she only owns a quarter of the horse. She does. Mm. A leg. Yeah. <laughs> she Is that a enough? Leg. Or a lig, as she would say. Dulcie yes. Gray would say a lig. <laughs> she would. Yeah, no, she would. And Jack wants a real drink and uh, because he's going, he says he's going off to a plastic boat factory, so he needs a real drink. This Is, this, is this, that a well-known thing? Yeah. Okay. Because he really likes wood. <laughs> Okay, like so many other characters in this show. He loves wood. I mean, later on at the boat factory, you'll see him he, talking Loving in wood. No, glowing he does. terms about wood yeah, and saying it's, it's lovely and it's all brown and he loves it. Yeah, so plastic boats used to really offend him. He would never have dreamed of, of going into production on a plastic boat, but Tom's kind of persuaded him that, you know, times are moving on and yeah. plastic's where it's at. So he uh, doesn't have a drink, which is progress because he's always pissed. He, like I said, he killed a dog in the last series because he was drinking all the time, so... Uh, maybe that's what's keeping him on the straight and narrow now. And then Ken Masters um, is looking at a map of the nature reserve he plans to trash. Yeah. And I've just put here, Jan is frantic in Cerise. <laughs> <laughs> because she's trying to get hold of some other French person. Claude. Yeah, who designs frocks. <laughs> yeah, she's trying to find Claude. Um, he lives in Cannes and she's like, there was an episode last year where they went, she went to Cannes to visit him. Because there are boats in Cannes. There are. I've been to Cannes. Exactly. Have you really? Yeah. What are you doing in Cannes? I was reviewing the film festival in the days when the BBC could afford really? to send us over. Yeah, it was amazing. Wow. I mean, obviously, they made us stay in like a, I can't remember, a Novotel obviously. three, four miles away. And we yeah. had to walk in every morning. <laughs> so I don't mind because I like a walk. But yeah. yeah, no, it was quite, but it was amazing being but there. You see have, sort of five films a day every day. Oh, wow. Yeah. But I have to ask you though, because obviously in Cannes, so it, I don't know where they filmed the Cannes episode in Howard's Way. It might not have been in the south of France. I'm not sure. Um, but just to denote that we're no longer in the United Kingdom, the t- there's two characters sitting at a, a sort of a, a poolside table having a cocktail with, you know, big umbrellas and some fruit. Right, yeah. And then two women walk behind them with their boobs out. That's not that what I saw in Cannes. It's French. Yeah. Like, to, have, to just have tits everywhere, apparently. If, if you wanted something representative of Cannes, at least during yeah. the film festival, what you would need is um, an extremely small and leathery woman carrying an even smaller dog in oh. a small bag. Yeah, okay. That's That was the main thing. But that was my main takeaway. Breasts, like wall to wall breasts. When you say not necessarily, I would go so far as to say not, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was And that was the during thing. the film festival. It was full of starlets. I know, so if not right? then, then when? Don't but, they all accidentally pop out of their dresses and stuff? to get noticed not while I was there but I maybe just wasn't making enough of a, a play I <laughs> you don't know you weren't looking in the right places that clearly. sounds like me well there you go so can, the can episode now has it's rather it's lost credibility sorry about that but no shame shame well, we'll move on so yes Claude has gone missing and Jan is frantic in Cerise um, in a sort of just a sort of shapeless smock it's not a very Jan outfit she does wear like things that are made of lots and lots of fabric but they normally have some kind of shape to them this is just a sack um, it's, it's, it's not one of her better fashion moments anyway and she has a fashion business that's the thing that she does she has a marine boutique right I don't know where the marine bit comes in it's just next to the marina but it's like oh, okay. it's where the rich yachting set go and buy their very expensive designer dresses right got you yeah made of lots of very brightly coloured and sometimes pastel fabric yeah yeah. that's everything I'll never need yeah there's like the beginning of the series was 85 where the fashions were almost acceptable by 86 they are just all out hideous mm-hmm. we'll have to talk about later what Abby's wearing some kind of maternity smock that, it defies description but it was it's like if you wanted to find the least flattering garment for a person to wear like it's just it's just everything that's wrong with the 80s design it's just really quite ugly it makes me think of that great bit in Calvin and Hobbes though where Hobbes says you can tell the quality of an artist by the quality of his smock one of the truly <laughs> nice. great sentences in all of well, literature frankly and so in this then we can judge that Jan is, is, is certainly an artistic person in the large pink smock that she wears there it is <laughs> um, and then there's a really weird shot so the woman that directed this episode I'm slightly obsessed by her she's called Sarah Hellings I think her name's Sarah Hellings yeah and um, I became slightly obsessed with her because she did, she directed some of the best um, episodes of last series and it turns out she used to make the documentary segments for Blue Peter that was her job before Howard's Way interesting so I was quite excited by her and I think she did some Doctor Who as well um, which is astonishing because of course 
course, over the last few years, no women have been allowed anywhere near Doctor Who and directing or writing <laughs> no. tales because we've made such progress. I know, that's right. Things have moved on now and everything's better. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> that's lucky, isn't it? Yes, it is, yeah. Mm. I think actually the new series supposedly has changed that a bit, hasn't it? I, I believe writers, that's to I be think. the case, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Chris Chibnall appears to be, you know, somebody About who doesn't women. find women negligible or non-existent. That's good. It's a thought, isn't it? It's, <laughs> it's almost like they're half the world. I, I don't know. know. What? Go. Seriously, half? I know. As many as that? It's so strange. <laughs> Wowzers. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so no, I like Sarah. Sarah Helling's shot here is like an abstract shot, shot of, I don't know, I don't think it's entirely, the focus doesn't quite work, but it's like just, just blue going past the camera, just like blue. And it becomes clear when you see the British Rail logo that it's a train going past the yes. camera. But it takes a while to sink in. A pace it's going apace it is yeah. it's whoosh and then and then we sort of stop on uh, some suitcases on the platform and it's Orin the lantern jawed American with a sort of moulded on sort of Kendall hair yeah and he's arrived all the way from Italy where he's Glen- been yes yes not really uh, sure what he was doing there working in Italy I think and then yeah so he uh, he arrives to basically claim his progeny yes um, he had a it seems so he's quite he, meek though doesn't he he doesn't seem very sure about anything well no I know and it's a bit odd that I know you'd never put the two of them together no even pissed like you wouldn't yeah, so no, she was at true. finishing school in I believe Switzerland right which and is came quite back near Italy pre- I know yeah. maybe they just met at halfway across the Alps or something. yeah yeah and then she came back pregnant right but she was like the most introverted she just, you know, just wore black jumpers down to her knees and like wouldn't talk to anyone hey yeah, there's nothing it, wrong with doing that it's a, <laughs> that's Natalie, my whole it's, life it's you're look. describing it's a look <laughs> I just can't imagine her ever having looked up enough to have had sex with someone maybe they had fondue <laughs> <laughs> that's how it began I bet they did dirty <laughs> buckers anyway they're having their fondue baby well she's had the baby and obviously uh, I think it was Abby's mum who let Orin know that Abby had had a baby right uh, sort of grass wrap basically so he wanted to come over and meet uh, his child it kind of gets quite bad for the, the situation becomes a lot worse because he's from a very wealthy American family right and it turns out you know family wealthy families and sort of firstborn sons and all that they they take get them very, very strongly yeah, right they get quite protective and possessive over this poor child who I still don't think has a name beyond baby I think well, he's still that's baby fine. Yeah, anyway, they're so. not really people at that stage <laughs> no they're really not they're just little little bits of blue jack with faces so there's an abstract of the train Orin arrives and he kind of stands on the train bridge overlooking all of Tarrant as if to say yeah here you know, I am Tarrant yeah yeah how do you like me now um, and there's like a romantic piano theme sort of underscoring his entrance so it's sort of, I don't know, Simon May's music is very like a very big part of this programme. But I'm not really sure what it's telling us about him because you're supposed to be rooting for Abby and Leo as a couple. But this guy's just arrived who basically, you know, they've got nothing in common. But it's the music saying, Root for them. Him. He's dreamy, yeah. he's so lovely, he's come to save the day. So I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to feel about yeah, him. Yeah, and he seems so passive and meek. You very. can't really imagine that he got on a train, let alone <laughs> that he's travelled across Europe <laughs> to see did her. he manage? We're all thinking it, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so he's arrived back at the Urquhart house. The doorbell goes, he's gotten there very quickly. Polly is always, at the beginning of most scenes, just quickly draining the last of her G&T. Yeah, whatever, no fool she. <laughs> whatever time of day. And she answers the door and uh, he brings his bags in and she says rather curiously, I'll get someone to take them up. But there's there's no visible signs of staff of in the Urquhart house. That she doesn't have staff. Oh. If she does, they they they're literally forced to hide, but like at all times, like you never see them. Hmm. But anyway, so someone, presumably just the next person who calls at the house, like, would you yeah. take these Could bags upstairs? Up? Yeah. I'm far I'm far too refined. And she kind of tells Orin about the Leo situation, so he's a bit sort of perturbed to hear that his well not really his girlfriend but the the mother of his child is sort of but again he's very son. passive about it yeah. isn't it? it's like oh that's that's some news that's info yeah cheers mm. and then back at the oh no this is my favorite scene um i love the horny boat chat it's just so insanely hot we go to the Ralta marine boat factory where men with brooms are like yeah. worrying at the hull of a plastic and boat. talking wood Exactly. Well, they, they talk wood a bit, but it's not really... Oh, I, just, I had to write down some of the dialogue. It's just pretty clunky. This show had a sailing advisor throughout, a man called Bob, I think, who's on the credits of every series, and he made sure at no point did they get their sailing ship wrong. Because well, that's very, the important thing. Very, very important. So David Lloyd is the kind of the Relton man who's showing them around the manufacturing um, sort of premises, and Tom and Jack are looking around, and they're talking about boats, obviously, because that's, you know, what they're there for. And then David Lloyd starts listing... I'm not quite sure what the context was. He just starts listing sailing terms, at which point I just had to pause the um, pause the programme for a bit. He says... Rigging loads, tabernacles, pulpits, pushpits, the stem, the stern. It was like, it was pretty horny stuff for it's me It's a anyway. pushpit a thing? No idea. Okay. I mean, you'd think it would be because, you know, 
the sailing advisor would have been on hand going no that's not a thing no it's definitely a thing um yeah and then and then they have some technical chat about the keel being bolted on last with a plastic boat as opposed to the keel being the first thing you do if you're making a wooden boat apparently mm. um and so jack jack doesn't hold with that and he said he, he finds that hard to swallow well, that's fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, I'm on um, side with that. And then he goes on to get quite poetic and talks about, it says, a boat is a living thing and it's the sum of the parts of all the mm. men that made her and she this and she that. Obviously, boats are girls. And yeah. Everyone knows that. Um, they're ladies. And then he says something about, he's cocking a snook at the plastic sort of moulding process and saying, you might as well be making bathtubs. And then David Lloyd from Welton Marine says, we do. We have another factory down the road. So they do actually make bathtubs, which must disgust Jack. Yes. Because, you know, this is, we're, we're talking about art here, not just moulding a bathtub. Anyway, back at the bedsit, um, Leo and Abby are waiting the arrival of Orin, and um, Polly shows him in with the immortal line, and this, of course, would have been the servants' quarters. Yeah. <laughs> Point made, passag, mom. Yeah. Nice touch. I don't, I don't know why, one, why Abby tolerates her being around, and two, why she is interested in her daughter. She's always just said, I don't like her. The husband doesn't really like her either. It's just, it's so kind It's quite of... a weird scene all told, though, because yeah. obviously she is statusing. She's like, we're going to go and do this, we're going to go and do that. Yeah. Um, and yet, unaccountably, given that there's conflict in the scene and Abby's like but I don't want to move back in with you uh, then at the end of the scene it's like oh well I suppose I, have, I, I know she what? gives in really easily yeah but so, for no real reason that anyone could possibly see and yeah and, and Polly sort of says to her Abby it is rather squalid which is a lovely line to just say to your daughter mm. about the place she's she's presumably paying for it herself so yes very quickly she just capitulates and says she's going home and I think Leo knows that's sort of going to be a problem because Polly doesn't like him being around. Yes, so, it's kind so of that's the end of their romance. Well, yeah, and obviously I don't think I don't think they've even have they snogged. I don't think they've even snogged because mm. again, he's so passive. Everyone is so passive. Yeah, in yeah. This, in this, this which must little... be really hard to write actually because Quite. nobody does. Yeah, anything. there's no like no one pushing the action. Yeah. Um. So and he's just sort of you know he just goes along with whatever. He's basically in fact he had a job at the start of this sort of odd sexless romance with Abby. He had a job and he gave it up to look after her and her baby. Right. So he's just, he's devoted his entire life to her for no reward, no rumpy, but he gets nothing. He just, he just is there. Yeah. It, it seems a bit of a thankless task for him. Then we go back to Charles, who's talking to Gerald in the office. They're talking about Shellett and Gerald's suggesting they pay him off, but he just, Charles knows that if they give him money, he'll just keep coming back for more. So I think he's, he's, he's said to threaten him or something, tell him to get lost. That seems like the sensible and appropriate response. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just use it. I mean, he's not averse to using violence, I think, as long as other people do it. And then Emma and Charles' assistant, the, the, the assistants in this are always, they have such shit parts, but they always give everything to their, like, three lines. It's so delightful. And Emma, who's, like, sort of looks like she's from a Specsavers advert or something. She's kind of clearly doesn't wear glasses, but one of those people who just has a face where you just think, no, you, they're not your glasses, you don't wear them, but they've given her glasses to make her look sort of secretarial. Yes, um, that does she, work. I'm yeah. wearing glasses right now, and this worked for me. <laughs> You look so secretarial. I do. Could you just get me a coffee, Natalie? No, I can't. So I don't much. drink opaque drinks. I wouldn't know where to start. I'll go and buy you a Diet Coke from the side. That's it. That's all but I've you got. can't see in the can. Whoa, hang on. Yeah, but I Wait opened the can. Yeah, but you can't see inside it. Yeah, but you could hear if there was a mouse in it. What if someone in the Coke factory... What do you mean you could hear if there was a mouse in it? Because you could shake it and you'd hear a mouse you couldn't bang hear against a the spider edge. or a moth. Yeah, but there's not going to be a spider or a moth in it. How it's a lovely you know? sealed can. Mm, <laughs> sealed can. So that's it. It's the sealed nature yeah. of the can. Oh, yeah. No, if you buy it in a bar or something and they open the can before they give it to you, I find that very Do difficult. Do you just say, take it back? Not always, <laughs> but yes. So I have to. And then they say, oh, I have to open it because you're not allowed to take it out. You go, okay, you can open it, but you have to open it while I... Do it while I'm watching yeah. you because I am a weird control freak. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they take it pretty well. I say Ooh. please a lot. Do you? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Your people always struck me as very polite. Thanks. Anyway, Emma says, Mr. Masters is here to see you, sir, but like with real conviction. Yeah, she's, he's she's, really here. Yeah, yeah. She's, he's so here. She wants him he to know. He couldn't be here. <laughs> and later on when she leaves the scene, she she gives quite a long explanation of how she's probably done for the day. That's probably her off home now then. Yeah. In a way that you just, you know, you just say... No one cares, Nothing. Yeah. No, yeah, no one cares. Bye. Who are you anyway? I didn't even know you had a name until just now. Um, and then, so Ken Masters is bringing his plan to devastate, you know, the, na the natural environment around Tarrant. Um, he's got his rolled up map of the nature reserve full of bunnies. And I don't know. Yeah, not for long. Froggies and nice things. Yeah. Yeah, that he's going to crush. Rare bats. And cricket bats. Yes, probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, but actually, it does it does set into motion a whole plot line about environmental activism, which is pretty cool. That's going to build. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's why I joined the League Against Cool Sports. Oh, interesting. Yeah. 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 Back then. I'm really into fox hunting now, but I wasn't. Then yeah. I was really against it. Uh, you know, you like horses more now. 
no, I don't. I oh, can't wait, be like horses less now. I'm so bored by horses. Take them away. And then Charles's response to Ken's plan is to say, this isn't another boat garage, is it? It's like not really a nautical term. No, it's not. But I think the, the last plan they had was to try and build a marina and it kind of just all fell oh, apart. Oh, I see. So, so Ken basically desperately wants what Charles has got, which is sort of his breeding and class and his privilege. But he can't have it. He just wants so he, he just tries to rub up against it as much as he can. So whenever he goes for meetings with Ken, it's always with them with Charles. It's always very kind of he Ken is like low status and sort of working class made good, and he's always just kissing ass horribly. And it just yeah, it's really, yeah. But it's brilliant. His character is like brilliantly low status in this scene. He's his desperation you can smell. And they form this curious little tableau that looks like a sort of a Renaissance painting sitting around the desk with, with Gerald sort of perched cheekily on the desk yeah. and the other two behind. And some plans. Looking at some squiggles, which I think is yeah. like an ordnance survey map or something. I don't think you even... I mean, I don't know how looking at a map would convince someone they need to pave a nature reserve. But anyway, that's what he does. That's why we're not in that business, Julia. Uh, no, that's why I'm not I'm not making the big bucks. There it is. Killing rabbits with concrete. Yes, so the only from the- way they'll learn. <laughs> <laughs> learn not to be so nose-twitchy. Yes, exactly. Those fuckers. <laughs> Bastards. Um, oh, can you tell me what you about this squirrel? Because I, I saw... Oh, my God. So Natalie was, was in the park. so harrowing. As you often are. And what did yeah. you see? A squirrel with what? I saw a squirrel with another full-size squirrel in its mouth. Are you sure? Or some kind of terrifying mutant squirrel because I was going that to had send tails you. at either end. Well, I was going it to was send so you a upsetting. picture this morning. No, there was, there was a news story that weirdly came up. I mean, this could just be terrifying algorithms on Facebook. There was a news story about a tangle of, I think it was five squirrels whose tails had all become matted Look, together. No one wants to see that. I know. I didn't. I, I then thought better of it because yeah, I want to put the picture on your Facebook feed. Yeah, so maybe it was like a two tangled squirrels. I don't, but the tails were at opposite ends. Oh, no, so, so not then. And then I was thinking... Unless hey, their faces became tangled. That's I know. It's like, is it some weird mutant squirrel? Whoa. And I was like, there's that... Um, this is the end times, isn't tails, it? It's tails, isn't it, in Sonic the Hedgehog, who's got two tails. And I was like, well, is he a fox? I can't ever quite mm. remember. I'm like, well, that seems adorable, if weird. Mm. But in not actual in life, life. <laughs> in a squirrel, really harrowing. It's a bit Chernobyl, isn't it? Yeah, it was really Chernobyl. And then I was like, well, maybe it's like an ex-squirrel. Maybe this is the start of <gasps> a new generation of Don't mutant squirrels that. come to save us. Oh, what? Really? Yeah, because the X-Men are good, right? They... But how would they save us, just out of interest? I don't know. <laughs> Distracting us with like yeah, their weird It was appearance. only yesterday. I haven't had time to process it all. Formulate the theory and then come back to me. All right, you? yeah. Have no, it on my desk by do. five o'clock. God, no, it was so upsetting. I was like, Because oh. sometimes you see, oh, yeah, you're right, I spend a lot of time outside. I spend yeah. a lot of time in the park. So you quite often see, you know, a dead squirrel or a, you know... It's upsetting, but it's A mangled way. pigeon or something. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the double-tailed squirrel, it's probably like... <gasps> no, 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 no. That's just... Yeah. That, would, that, that would make me think that like something had shifted in the universe and things weren't well with, yeah. with just the universe generally. Yeah. Um, so um, so perhaps it's best to just pour concrete all over their habitat. Let's do that. Yeah. It's the only that. way they'll learn. I yeah, don't want to let's see do that. that. I think yeah. so. Holly and Oren complete their um, sort of manoeuvres to persuade Abby to move back home. Abby is clearly very upset about this because she's only just broken free of the evil old witch and now she's got to go back and live with her. For no I, really good reason. Yeah, I don't think she needs to, but she's decided to. Um, she probably secretly hates the bedsit. It is horrible. <clears throat> and has no pastels at all, which is actually the only good thing about it. Yeah. yeah. But, it's you know, Dickensian. It is Dickensian. <laughs> That's what she says. Sort of emphysemic children coughing up lungs in the corridor. Still so preferable to pastels. Definitely, definitely. And and Polly's kind of Laura Ashley yeah. sort of taste. Chintz aroma, oh, isn't it? Horrible, yeah. horrible, horrible. Uh, back at the hospital, there's a rather upsetting scene. Leo's life is just angst, angst, angst at the moment. So Lynn is uh, sort of gazing wordlessly at her grandmother, Kate, who's trying to tell her about the fucking racehorse again. Yeah, no one cares, mate. Just drop it, yeah. Aztec boy. And then Leo, who clearly is getting quite upset that his sister can't remember him or anything to do with their family at all, just de- in, in desperation tries to jog her memory and says, remember the flying fish, Lynn? And the flying fish is the family's boat. It was basically, Lynn didn't really have boyfriends. She had the boat. She loved the right. boat more than she liked boys. Um, so it was it basically the most important thing to her in the world was this boat. And she sailed it whenever she, she did. She doesn't remember it. Can't remember she it. It's heartbreaking, it. Natalie. It's yeah. absolutely heartbreaking. No, I see that now. Oh, so, you know, no wonder Leo's upset. But she just looks at him like, the flying what? Yeah. <laughs> I think she even says that. Um, so it's awful. Like, amnesia, clearly you can't just cure by saying, remember that thing? Yeah. Apparently that doesn't work. And yet it always seems to, doesn't it, in drama? <laughs> I so. know. Surprise to us all. I have a feeling she's going to have, like, a moment Oh, I would later. certainly hope so. Not this episode, yeah. exactly. Back at the Urquhart's, Gerald is awkwardly sort of meeting. I don't think he's even met his grandson yet, or maybe he has. 
I don't know. Anyway, he could not seem less interested in anything he just that's happening. Give a fuck. Yeah. He's thinking about his mind's know, in Chelsea, going out to Ducky or something. Yeah. Just n- not bothered. Yeah, he's being very awkward. Sort of says something about the baby looking healthy or something. But yeah, again, couldn't care less. Oh, hasn't it got a lot of hair? Yeah. Um, you know, it might it might as well be I don't know a goose. Yeah. <laughs> he just doesn't know what, what is he's this. At. <laughs> Why is it in my house? Abby's wearing the despicable maternity smock. She's like, I can't even I think it's grey and blue and white and just it's oh unholy. It's so horrible. Yeah. Um. And then Gerald meets Orin and weirdly tries to intimidate him. When yeah. he's like one of the least intimidating men there's ever been, but he tries to kind of like psych him out. Yeah, except no that Orin is really passive and yeah. he's really mild mannered. So yeah. it's like, there's no, there's no locking him yeah, out. Yeah, how's this going to happen? Yeah, he's like, oh, hey, so you're the one who's like done it with my child. Yeah. Doesn't really like his child, so why would he care? It, again, not a lot of that scene makes sense. Um, but then we go back to the races. Oh, you I love, love the races. So brilliant. Oh, so cool. Um, yeah, so then it's Aztec boy is in the paddock. He's getting ready for the race. Kate and Jack are watching the race with binoculars. Oh, Jack mentions a curious detail that he hasn't been this nervous since he was a fighter pilot in the Battle of Britain. Yeah. Gosh, I didn't know Just that. Drop that him. into conversation, I why know. don't you? I think I'd boast about that more if I was yeah. here. It's very modest of him not to mention it every episode. Yeah. Um, and then there's an extremely short horse race that takes, I think it must be like, what, a furlong, if that. Just like, they start... They finish. They, they, well, there we go. That's yeah. it. It's almost like they know you don't care. Well, perhaps. Well, that's a mercy. And uh, her horse, uh, Aztec Boy, wins and she confesses she actually bet £300, which is quite a lot of money. It's like yeah. a grand or something on him winning. And Jack says, oh, yes, so did I. So they're, they're, they're in Clover. They've just won they're loads quitting. of money. And that's all great. And then um, <laughs> back, at, back at the Nautical Boutique, Jan is pinning a scarf on a jumper. Yes. So As one a, wouldn't. Slightly half-hearted way, and it doesn't look that great. She yeah. could have had some help from a, a visual merchandiser, I think maybe just maybe. It's not, not yeah, really maybe. doing the trick. It's something, it's, you know, she sells very high-quality goods. I just think she should, you know, she should give them their best showcase. She's a stylist. Way. Well, yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, and then Ken gleefully shows her the front of a newspaper. It's missing Claude. Claude. Yeah. As he pronounces it, he's played by the most brilliant Scottish actor oh. who does the most exceptional French accent. Like a oh, proper... It's like the opposite of Christophe Lambert in Highlander. Yes, exactly. Oh, my God. Oh, he's it's like an exchange programme. His negative. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Oh, oh now I'm just thinking. There can be... be only one. They should They should have had a, a, a Scottish fashion designer played by Christophe Lambert. Yes, they should have. That would have been brilliant. And, and the newspaper announces that Claude is going to get married. Yes, now, Jan's fine about that, but Ken Ken always found him a bit of a threat because, you know, he's a sexy Frenchman and, like, you know, what's Ken got when there's a sexy Frenchman in the room? Um, but actually, Jan's not interested. She only has eyes for Ken at the moment. Um, so, uh, But she's more worried that uh, if Claude is marrying into the French fashion industry, yeah. well, he still wants he's to... He's not going to want to make work. clothes for her, and that's exactly. why he's not taking her calls. And she says... He's a bad oh, boyfriend. Suddenly, I just suddenly realised we're at the end of the episode. How did we get here so quick? That's amazing. And she, and she says, Oh, Ken, I need him. And that's the normally the moment yeah. where the jazzy boom, theme boom, tube boom, would boom, kick boom. in, yeah. and instead it's just this drippy kind of. Which I just, I just. It's a I thought decision. that was the whole theme tune. I didn't realise there was any other version. It is that tune, but it's uh, it's more sort of orchestral and rousing in the opening. Where it's the one you heard at the opening of the show, yeah. and the closing theme tune is. How do I even describe it? It's just it's upbeat. It's adrenaline music. It's it's extreme sports. Okay. It's that. And normally... Base jumping. Yeah. And okay. it begins with like a timpani roll. It's like... Brum, da, 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 yeah. da, da, do you want to do some parkour? Da, 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 da. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And you couldn't do parkour to this because you just, you know, you just lose the world to live and fall off the down. side of whatever you Yeah, no, that is exactly. true. Um, but yeah, so that's the end of the episode. So obviously no murders, lot oh. of sailing, some horses. But what did you make of it all? <laughs> well, I was glad that... Because I was a bit worried that I wouldn't be able to catch up with what's going on. But I felt reasonably confident given my previous history of watching quite a lot of television and see this is why I thought you'd be yeah. down with this but luckily everyone does say who they are and who the person they're talking to is at any given moment <laughs> yeah, so they do. it's like they really are trying to invite you in yeah. there's no there's none of that kind of clickiness where it's like you haven't watched all the episodes up to now you mayn't come in what you mean like old Doctor Who series for example for example yeah. it's like yeah. if you didn't know all this stuff mm-hmm. then there's you know a good kind of uh, icebergs worth of material that you're missing out on so uh-huh, yeah. okay you win I don't want to be in your yeah. gang um, yeah it's a show that wants you to join in yes it does it's opened its doors to you nice yeah. I like that so now I think I do know the answer to this but I'm going to ask it anyway will you be watching any more Howard's Way or is that am I going to go back to my DVDs of Diagnosis Murder right it's that one yes exactly yeah, sorry if I have to choose Ata's drama there's um, other stuff you'd rather be watching there's an episode of Diagnosis Murder where there are actual vampires 
actual really? vampires. Really? Yes. Is there ever one where there's sailing, just out of interest? Oh, yeah, no, there's quite a few on boats. What? Really? What? Yes. Seriously? He lives right by the sea at Malibu. Really? Yes. Actual real-life Dick Van Dyke does, but also Dr. Mark Sloan does. You're more stalking Dick Van Dyke. You know where he lives. Yeah. <gasps> Can you try and get Stalking's a, a strong to... word, well, though, because you know. it's quite a long way away. <laughs> but surely, you do journalism, you could get a newspaper to go and, like, I mean, there must be some I know, to I'd be too scared him. to go and meet him, I would think. You? Yeah, I think I would. I think I love him too He'd much. He'd probably dance for you. I know he would. Oh, oh. he'd probably sing, and we could do a little barbershop quartet. Oh, I can't. Oh. Yeah. Isn't there an episode? Does his son play his son in the does show? Does Barry Van Dyke play Steve Sloan, the police officer? That's he does. Right. He does, doesn't yeah. he? But isn't there an episode where the whole family like turns the, up? I think the I'm maximum quantity that. of Van Dykes in the Blair Nurse Project, um, which I think is the, <laughs> the oh yeah, you're welcome. Um, I think it's six. I think there are six maximal Van Dykes. Wow. Yeah, but though there is a seventh Van Dyke, Stacy Van Dyke, who appears in yes. a couple of the TV movies. Um, yeah. Uh, or the two parts of a TV movie, um, but she is not in the Blair Nurse Project episode. So I think the full complement of Van Dykes is seven. I think that's right. I'm slightly amazed, considering everyone's got a podcast now, that you haven't started your diagnosis murder podcast. If I had, yet. honestly, if I had time, I would do it. Oh. It would be so much fun if I had. Yeah, you know, if put I had some even, money on a racehorse. If it comes good, take, yeah, take, take a month time off, off and just do it. Yeah. Amazing. Oh, it'd be so much fun to Well, do. I'm looking forward to it. Start thinking of what you're going to call it now. All right. Um, it only remains for me to say that Natalie is too shy to sing. That's so true. I'm sorry, everyone. I'm going to sing, Oh My God. <laughs> I've been making people do this for a whole series, never thinking twice about it. And now I have to do you it. Fool. I'm really scared and afraid. <laughs> but anyway, um, I won't put Natalie through that. She, I'll, I'll make sure she leaves the room and safely from the building. Before yeah, I she start says room. Honoring. She means building. She means postcode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to put her on a boat to another landmass first. Yeah, let that be a um, lesson to me. <laughs> it only remains for me to say thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, if you like the show, come and find us. We're on Twitter at Always There Pod. And finally, Natalie Haynes, thank you for being always there. Natalie, she was too shy to sing. So now it's time to bring this hornpipe home. Yachts and boats and anything that floats are not her cup of tea because she's more into Rome. Business. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.